Podcast. And a lot of people think, well, they can just hire, you can just hire a good sales guy and let them do it. And that's always, that should say always, that's 98% of the time that's a mistake because they're not you. They don't have the breadth of experience. They don't have the drive. They don't have the ambition. They don't have what you have. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Habit Stack, Ignite Management Services, and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about what leaders need to know about sales, and my guest is Dave Kale. Dave has written 13 books on selling, and he helps us understand why every leader needs to understand and be involved in the sales process. Now, if you hate selling, you're not alone, but Dave helps us understand why selling is essential for success. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dave Kale. Dave is an author, speaker, and sales trainer with over 30 years of experience. He has authored 13 books, including Question Your Way to Sales Success, 11 Secrets of Time Management for Salespeople, and How to Sell Anything to Anyone, Anytime. Dave has presented in 47 states and 11 countries and has personally and contractually worked with over 500 sales organizations. I am excited to have him on the show. We <laughs> talked about the sales process and what leaders, you leaders need to know about selling and sales. So Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you because we haven't really talked about sales. We've talked about a lot of things about leadership, but you know, leadership is about selling as well. And so I'm really excited to have the expert on the show to talk to us about sales. So um, so I, thanks for coming on the show. No, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of what I'm interested in is how did you go from a top performing salesperson to then pivoting to teaching people how to sell and teaching people yeah. about the sales process? The story is the story is not what you're thinking. It's not <laughs> what you're going to expect. <laughs> so yeah, so I was I had uh, I had seven different sales positions, and I was fortunate enough to be the number one salesperson in the nation for two of those companies, two distinct industries, totally different. And uh, last company I was with, I kind of moved up the ranks. You know, I was uh, a, a sales manager and then divisional manager. I ran a division of that company, and uh, so so I was a general manager of a division. Not doing sales per se, but having sales uh, a sales function underneath me. And uh, what happened was um, I, there were four divisions in the company. I had the smallest one. The only one that was really growing, but it was the smallest one. And one of the bigger divisions, I had a $6 million division. One of the bigger uh, divisions lost a $20 million contract. Poof. And they said, well, we've got to consolidate. And it's easier to cut the top than it is the bottom. And so I was out mm -hmm. of a job. And, uh, you know, I thought, okay, I got a great resume, it's not a big deal. And what I discovered was that I was overqualified and, and too expensive. 
because I'd been a general manager of a division, you know, and and so after uh, some time being unemployed, I, I just realized that I'm not going to get a job. I better find lots of little ones. Mm. And, and and that's how I thought about be, becoming a consultant. I did lots of little jobs, and I just started out that way, you know. And then and then I then I read all the books. So at one point I said, you know, this looks like what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, or at least you know the interim." So. I better get good at it. So I so I got the books. How do you how do you create a how do you build a consulting practice? And at that time, they all said give seminars. Mm-hmm. I, well, I can give seminars. I, I actually I was a teacher for a while. I actually have a master's in teaching of, of all things. But you know, so I can give a seminar. So I so I made a deal with the local uh, business college. We would promote uh, seminars. I create them and present them, and they would promote it and you know do the do the finances. And we split the deal. And so if you were in this in Grand Rapids, Michigan, so if you were a business person in Grand Rapids for a period of about two or three years, every month you got a brochure from the business college with my picture on it, you know, something. And it, and it, it, it worked, you know, started to build a consulting practice. And then one day somebody came to me and said, Dave, uh, can you do this for, for my company? Not as a public seller, but I'd never really thought of that. It was, you know, speaking for money wasn't what I was, my head was at. My head was at build a, build a consulting practice. So I said, sure. And they said, how much? I had no idea. Pulled the number out of the air, you know. And uh, one thing led to the other, and I discovered that, uh, boy, I, I, I was pretty good at this. And then for the next 30 years, I mean, I did, I, honestly, I, I've done 300 flights a year, you know, just all over the place. And, I, and uh, before the before the downturn, I had staff, and, you know, I tell everybody, hey, if I'm if I'm in the office, we're not making any money. We're only making money when I'm out there someplace, you know. So, yeah, yeah. So that's how it happened. That's fantastic, and and I we hear we hear that common story a lot where mm-hmm. sometimes they're they're uh, uh, somebody will realize that they're in the wrong role, or sometimes mm-hmm. like your situation, you get you get moved out of a role, and suddenly you mm-hmm. find your passion, you find something you're really interested mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and then you know, and again, when you find your passion, you do what you love, you're not really working anymore, you're having fun, yeah. and and yeah, and that's, I really yeah. that's really exciting that you you found that passion and you've delivered so much value. Over those years, now I mentioned, uh, you know, before we press record, this is a leadership podcast, and um, we have a lot of leaders listening in the podcast, and then many have not come through the sales channel. Myself, yes. personally, I didn't come through the sales channel. So, why should leaders care about sales, and why should they better understand the sales process? Yeah, well, uh, I guess there's a, for a leader to understand sales, there's two two places for that. One is uh, personally, as you relate with other people, uh, you're trying to uh, influence them to your point of view or to do what you want them to do, and and that is a sales process. So, it's some familiarity. I mean, you can sell better even in those circumstances where you don't think you're selling. You can still still sell better. So that's one place. But the other place is if you're a CEO or leader, an entrepreneur, or or you've got a, a significant number of people under you, you probably have a sales function somewhere in that organization. And it's and it's my belief that the leader at the very top, whoever is the top of the chain, needs to be hands-on to some degree involved in the sales in the sales system. Understanding this is a system that, and treating it just like anything else and, and uh reviewing it and having a having a hands-on place for uh, for sales. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we were talking before we pressed record, too. I think as an entrepreneur myself and the head of a, you know, a, a company I formed eight years ago, 
I find myself selling every day. And, and, and it's, you know, you're selling not only just our products, but our company, our vision, uh, mm-hmm. what we offer compared to other people. And I think, so I'm selling and my selling myself, trust me, yeah. trust my company, yeah. right? So, so yes. selling is like what we're doing just about every day as an entrepreneur. So if you say to yourself, I want to start a company, but I don't like sales, you yeah. probably get to get up to speed on that. Yeah, you, you should. Absolutely. And a lot of people think, well, they can just hire, you can just hire a good sales guy and let them do it. And that's always, that should say always, that's 98% of the time that's a mistake because they're not you. They don't have the breadth of experience. They don't have the drive. They don't have the ambition. They don't have what you have. And so it's uh, it's almost always a mistake to think that you can hire somebody, delegate sales and forget it. And so I would rather, I would rather see a uh, CEO or an entrepreneur uh, just get hands on and and put their put their arms around it and see what they can do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You, you mentioned it, and, and you were talking about sales system. So, uh, what is what in, what is that? How would you define a sales system, and then why should we think of sales as a sales system? Yeah. So my definition is it's a it's a step by step process that uh, brings prospects closer and closer into a committed financial relationship with you and your company. Mm. That's a sales system. So uh, I have I have a couple different diagrams that I like to use. One is what I call the big picture sales system. It's easy enough. I can just describe it. If you can imagine five steps in a sequence, the first is suspects. The first job of the system is to identify suspects. And those are people who you suspect might one day do business with you. And then you got to do a little work, uh, uh, research them or something, uh, turn them into prospects. And a prospect is someone who really can uh, buy what, what you have and can make the decision, can spend the money and so on. And then the most difficult part of the process is turn that process into a customer. Customer is someone who gives you money for what you have the first time. When money changes hands, everything changes. Now you're no longer an outsider you're an insider, you're on their computer list, they're on your computer list, you know where their restrooms are, you know, the whole thing. Uh, and and that's a that's the biggest, most difficult step for any sales system. And then you think we're done. We're not done because now we take customers and turn them into clients, which is my vernacular for someone who buys over and over on a regular basis. But we're still not done because there's one more step. And the last step is to turn some of those clients into partners. And uh, maybe maybe of a customer base, of all the customers you have, maybe 3% might turn into customers. So it's not everybody. But it's a very exclusive, intense relationship with a few people who really are your uh, your annuity. I mean, they keep you in business. Mm-hmm. They like you personally. You know, they, they are committed to you, and they buy almost everything they can from you. And so that process, that's a very defined process. It can be measured. Every step, every piece of that can be measured. And he said each step can be measured. We can look at each step individually, say, how can we do this better? You know, what tools do we need? What training do we need? How, what, you know, do we have the right people? All those kind of questions follow an understanding of the numbers that, that you can generate just in your sales system. Just thinking that simple five-place uh, um, scenario is a, is a tool to help you conceive a sales system. So it's almost as if it's a funnel where you have your suspects and then you eventually yeah. become customers, eventually become clients. 
And then, uh, yeah, what was the last one? Your uh, partners, partners. Partners, yeah. So, 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 so it's this funnel where there's just a very few small percentages that become a partner then. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so your system, so once you, once you get the concept of a sales system as, again, a step-by-step process that is focusing on bringing customers and prospects into a closer financial relationship with you, once you get that, then, then it's uh, then you can then you can lay it out and make it very specific to your particular industry, your business, and so on. The, the the basics are the same, but of course, it it begins to get different with the details. You talk about uh, a sales dashboard, and and I'm yeah. familiar with some dashboards in in you know having run manufacturing businesses, we typically have yeah. dashboards of KPIs and what have you. What is a sales dashboard look like and what are maybe some of the things we should consider having on that sales dashboard? Yeah, well, first of all, there should, there should be a dashboard if you're going to take a systems approach. Just like you probably have numbers you look at every week mm-hmm. in a, for operations, yeah. right? You, yeah. you know you know how much stuff came in, how much stuff went out, yeah. you know what the key steps along the way. You probably have the same thing for your finances. You know how much money you have in the bank today. I'm sure you do. You know what you got in receivables. You know what you got in payables. All those are numbers that you look at on a regular basis. But do you know how many prospects do you have? Mm-hmm. You know how many customers you've created this month? You know how many clients you have in the system? Those are the kinds of things that can be measured and reported. And when we, when we put a system in place, we, of course, put a dashboard in place, and we decide what are the key things to measure. And then we set up a system whereby those are looked at in a formal setting once a, once a month. And once you get it set up, it, you know, it takes some time to get it set up. Once, once you get it set up, you can, uh, you can invest an hour or two once a month in sales. And keep your fingers on top of everything, you know, what's going on, and you're directing where the time and energy can best be spent because the numbers are showing you that. So so that's a dashboard. And typically, you know, to keep it kind of simple and easy, you say no more than 10 numbers, and the numbers are the key, are the key steps in the process. So one of the key steps, for example, is, is uh, making a first call on a prospect. Yeah. We shouldn't know how many of those happened this month in your organization. And when I say happen, that doesn't necessarily mean a salesperson does. It's all different ways of doing that. But we'll find the best way for your organization. But you should know how many first calls. You should, you should know how many customers are created. And again, there's a, you should define a customer. So you should know how many, cli- how many clients were created from customers. You should know you should, moving a client to a prospect is, a, is often a difficult long-term process. But uh, often requires an individual sort of uh, checklist. Let's do these things, you know. So you should know how many of those key partner events w- happened in your business this month. And once you once you define the key steps and the processes, and you you know create some numbers and and some uh, percentages, th- then you just look at it every month and say, "Where's what? What's what jumps out at us? I mean, where is the place where we need to uh, direct time and energy this month?" And eventually, you have a system that just works really, really well because because you you're measuring it and and uh, improving it every month. Well, that makes so much sense, and if it works with other things, why not with sales? Right? Absolutely. Exactly. What What's your opinion on like hit rate as being a measure, one of those measures in the sales cycle? I would imagine you have mm. a strong opinion about hit rate. Everybody does. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. curious yours to hear yours. 
Well, you know, let's say I, I'm not going to I'm not going to put out there any absolute numbers. I will say it can always be better. Hmm. So uh, so that's one of that's one of the key processes. When you say hit rate, so I would define that using my terms as a customer uh, becoming a customer the first time. So the first order from a prospect. Other uh, others can be uh, proposals accepted to proposals in a in a customer. Right. So, uh, so that's that's part of the process of turning into the client. You know. So so we do we measure that? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's one of the keys. You know, is to me- is to measure those kind of things and. You know, it depends. You know, it depends so much on how well you do everything else. For example, you can have a really high hit rate because because you've reduced your prospects to a small number of yeah. highly qualified prospects. You know, yeah. Uh, so so uh, and you could have a low number because you, you could, because you haven't done well. Prospects got nothing to do with your proposals. Got everything to do with the front of the system. You yeah. know, so yeah. so again, all these things fit together. But you you can dissect that and. Uh, Hit, your hit rate can always be better. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Habit Stack. Effective leaders make a habit of working on important goals no matter how busy they feel. Habit Stack software helps leadership teams build that habit. The system guides you to set crystal clear goals, align your tasks to those goals, and make progress every week. I use Habit Stack and I absolutely love it. It's such an easy tool to use and I love how it reinforces the right habits with my leadership team. Habit Stack is free to use. It's so simple that you get the hang of it in just five minutes. Go to habitstack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool, This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. 
your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty's strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at LibertyStrengthTX.com to find out more and get your initial consultation schedule with him today. I love that. And, uh, you know, to me, I look at it and it's, to me, the trends are like interesting. Okay. Well, it's going up or down. Why? You know, and I love, yeah, exactly. I love spending time looking at the, maybe some of the reasons why, uh, that the, the things are happening. Is it price? Is it, is it lead time? Is it, we're not, you know, we've, we've introduced, we quoted a lot this month, right? Or yeah. what have you. So what are the, what are the things that are, so I, yeah, I, I love, I love that idea is to, that there are there are reasons behind it, and we need to be spending time figuring out yes. what what the reasons behind. So, um, so what you know? So, uh, obviously, anyone who is leading a business wants more sales. So, uh, what are some things that we that that uh, sales teams can do to improve their results, and how can the leaders help them uh, improve their results? Well, there's you know there's a whole uh, there's a whole slew of things, but. Uh, on top, top of the, a couple of things that are at the, on top of the agenda. And the first one is most salespeople um, don't know what they don't know. Mm. Most salespeople have never been educated in the best practices of their profession. So they, def- they default to what feels comfortable. And then they, and then they sort of uh, generalize why that is, you know, why they do this. And, and it's, it's, it, it, it's not, for the most part, it's not sound. So number one, would be to uh, educate the salespeople and the best practices of their profession. And again, most salespeople, I'm guessing 80% of the business business salespeople have never, ever been trained, uh, what I uh, educated in the best practices. So that's number one. Number two is here's a best practice that uh, will make the biggest difference. And, you know, I, I work with salespeople, work with managers, I work with CEOs all the way up and down. And this one thing is the one thing that will make the biggest difference. And and that is um, to target and prioritize your accounts. Mm-hmm. Now let me let me, now let me back up a little bit and say um, this is so powerful because it forces salespeople to get out of their routines, and it's it is an exercise that very clearly applies your assets where it will get the best return, and when that happens, amazingly. It gets a better return, so oh, so your salespeople do better. And I, you know, I tell people this: you're not going to believe this. Nobody believes this. But the most common testimonial I get from a salesperson or a sales team who puts this into place, say a year or two later, the most common testimonial I get is triple. Mm. They haven't. They haven't increased sales ten percent. They tripled. It. That's the most common. And I'm, I'm not going to take time to you know psych. Testimony after testimony, but trust me, now I'm not saying it's going to triple your sales, but I'm saying this has power to dramatically transform sales organization. We just, well, here's what I'm just, I'm working with a company in Central America right now, and this is what we did. I mean, we, they have uh, three different uh, companies, 
and uh, maybe 30 or 40 salespeople, something like that. But the salespeople were pretty much deciding what, what they wanted to do, where they wanted to go. And as typically is the case, they'll go where they're comfortable where people like them and where they're comfortable. Yeah. So they let, the, they let the relationship determine the strategic insight. It should be yes. the other way around. Yes. Who's, who is highest potential? Let me create relationships with them instead of let me find, let me, let me find my relationships and try to sell to them. No, no. So, so we, we, we went through this exercise. And, you know, in a company like that, uh, where it's a totally new concept, it's, it, it takes some, you know, some IT work you know, to, to get the whole thing to, in place. But uh, they've made an amazing transformation in two months, it, it really, truly, in two months. And uh, we have things, we have measurements, things like that. We have a sales productivity measurement and things like that. And and their their numbers are are glowing. It's like wow, this is. I love I love that. It, it's it's sort of a magic bullet, you know. And I and is the idea that you know we human beings we do what's comfortable, right? We go yes. to the accounts that, that know us. We bring them coffee. Yes. We. You know, exactly. we talk about the game, and and so and so we did something. We we made a sales call, right? We checked a box, but but is that the account that's truly going to change uh, our our company in this region, right? Yeah. The answer to that is probably no. It's probably the one you're most comfortable. But if we mm-hmm. set targets, you know, we put the rudder in the water and steer the ship towards the targets versus just going where the wind takes us. I think you're you're, you're you're going to get better results, just like anything else we do in our lives, right? If we set a target to lose weight or get in shape or and we start moving in that direction, we're going to achieve those goals, right? Versus just mm. doing what's easy, like get up late, you know, get a cup of coffee, go yeah. to work, right? Yeah. So it's it you got it, John. You got sense. it. Yeah, yeah, it makes so much <laughs> sense. Um, one of the things I hear when I talk to entrepreneurs, I talk to leaders. I hear this expression. I'm just curious to know, you know, what your response would be is that I hate selling. I'm not a salesman. I hate selling. I don't want to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think people have a perception of what a salesperson is because mm-hmm. then they say, well, I'm not that type of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to someone that 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 was would say that to you that I'm not a yeah. salesperson? Yeah, well, I think there's a lack of understanding what a salesperson is, and and that's unfortunate because you know the media and things like that just give a, a wrong impression. Uh, I think the best way for me to answer it is with a little diagram, and this is this is from my book, How to Sell Anything to Anyone Anytime. Six steps in a sales process. This is what a salesperson does. So, what does a salesperson do? These things. This this is it right here. No, number one, engage with the right people. Because if you're not with the right people, it's it's all a waste of time, you know. Number two, make them comfortable with you. Can you do that? Of course you can. Everybody can. But but you, you know you can do that better. Number three, and this is this is where it gets real sales ish. Find out what they want. Yeah. Number four, show them how what you have gives them what they want. Yeah. Number number five, agree on the next step, and number six, follow up and leverage it to the next thing. Yeah. So six steps in the sales. That's what a salesperson does, right there. That's what do they do? Yeah. That. That's it. So, uh, you know, it's like it's like um, there is a process. Understand the process, and then forever get better at each piece of the process. And that's that's our approach to to training. By the way, we train salespeople. That's that's what we do. But but it's like I, I like to compare it to growing corn. You know, there was a time when people got corn by walking through fields and finding it and picking it off. And so, and I'm sure some got better than others and some prided themselves and they could, oh, they could find corn. And then somewhere along the line, somebody says, you know, there's a, there's a better way. 
Yeah. We could dig a hole and plant some. <laughs> and, and and so now all at once, the whole thing about, you know, should we plant it an inch deep or two inches? Should we plant it this far apart? So there's old science now that comes in. And, and as a result, we have cornfields that, you know, feed the world. So it took a different way of thinking. And sales is like grown corn. It's a different way to think. And when you think about it, a lot of it is instinctive, but you, you could always do it better. But it's good to have it's good to have a format to keep in mind to keep you honest and focused. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, uh, and, and I love I love the analogy of the corn. So we, we've sort of have science behind it now. But there's science behind selling too. Um, yeah. Why are you out there looking for corn? You know, wild corn, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> so make a lot of sense. So one of the things that that entrepreneurs or you know small business leaders might Base is having to hire a salesperson or, or a sales yeah. manager. Are, are there some things that we should look for when we're bringing somebody on board that <laughs> is going to be a salesperson? And then how do we, you know, how do we identify the right people and train them to do do the job we want? Yeah. So I, I mentioned I did seminars for this uh, business college. The very first seminar I did was an eight-hour program called "How to Find, Interview, Select, and Hire a Good Salesperson." <laughs> So first of all, first of all, I will say this: if you're hiring your first salesperson, uh, chances are it's going to be a failure. Mm. As a matter of fact, chances are it's going to be the most difficult, time-consuming, arduous thing that you have done in a long, long time. So, and again, I'm I'm speaking from personal experience, but I'll speak. You know, I've worked with 500 or so sales organizations. I, when I did the seminar here, when I did the seminar, I ask everybody in the seminar. How many people had a good experience with the first salesperson they hired? Put your hands up. <laughs> well, somebody would, but they always had, uh, you know, caveats. Yeah, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, so, so basically nobody does. As hiring a salesperson, a good salesperson is incredibly difficult. Mm. So, uh, so how do you do it better? Well, you get all your ducks in a row. You answer all the fundamental questions like, what is he or she going to do? What are the expectations? Uh, like, do you expect them to be in the office? Do you expect them to put do so many phone calls or cold calls? Do you expect them to fill out forms? We clearly define the expectations. Clearly define the compensation plan. So there is, there's no doubt. Take all the ambiguity out of it. So first of all, get the position solid. And then go look for people to fit that position. Yeah. And for typically, uh, first uh, salesperson hired in a company is somebody's friend, and who's you know you make all kinds of concessions for because he says he's worth it, and you know almost almost never almost like I don't know that any of them have have ever worked out from my personal experience. <laughs> so so uh, you create some criteria and you stick to the process. Realize it's going to take a long time. I had, uh, when I was transitioning from sales to sales management, my manager, who was the best manager I ever worked for, took me aside one day and said, Dave, remember this. When it comes to hiring salespeople, if you're really, really good, you're going to be wrong half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing so he because said, I've been leading organizations for a long time, and I found the same thing to be true. So Absolutely, absolutely, it's true. <laughs> So, so he said to me, so it's more important to be able to fire well than it is to hire well. Like that just blew my mind. I've never heard anything yeah. like that, you know, so yeah. where is it? But, but process, preparation and process is the key to making a better decision and understand 
human beings, what they are, we're, we're, I mean, we have a lot of science these days in hiring, but we're still, it's still a shot in the dark. And that 50%, maybe we're at 60% now if we're good. You know, or large organizations who are good, got the whole process down, you know, maybe they're at 60, 70%. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to be at 50 or 60%. You, you, I mean, luckily, you'll be, again, the first guy you hire is probably not going to work out. Maybe the second or third. It's gonna, you're going to get some bruises along the way here. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, for sure. I mean, I've had some success hiring people from the industry that I've worked with in the past that I have, that I have established rep, you know, that has an established reputation. That's where I've had my luck, but, um, but certainly new people off the streets, that's, um, it's a 50, 50 proposition for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so if we, uh, if we're people listening on the, uh, on this uh, podcast and some, someone might be a salesperson listening in and mm -hmm. what advice would you give to your typical salesperson today? How can they be a more effective salesperson to be a top salesperson? Yeah. Uh, I, I think to want to, mm -hmm. uh, honestly, most salespeople aren't, uh, top performers because they don't want to be. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that sounds, uh, you know, a little cruel, but you have to pay the price. I mean, you have to invest, you know, here's, here's the thing. I mean, uh, if you randomly select 20 salespeople, how to just randomly select them and then survey them, you'll discover that only one out of those 20 has spent $25 of his or her own money on their own improvement in the last 12 months. Mm. So first of all, you got to want to. And, and so that sets, that sets you apart from 80% of your competitors right there. Cause most of them don't want to, they just want to do this as a job and get by. So if you want to be successful, that's the first. And secondly, understand you need to invest in yourself. And that means money and time. And it also means emotional investment because you're going to be, you're going to stretch yourself and do things that you're not comfortable with. You're going to, you know, just like, just like uh, the targeting and prioritizing. It means you got to call on people you haven't called on. You got to say no to people who are expecting you. You, know, you got to do some things that are uncomfortable as you grow as a salesperson. So there's so there's the uh, the need to invest time, money, and emotional energy into the process, and then realize that you're you're never as good as you can be. It, you know, it's a, it's the one thing about sales you're you're never as good as you can be. You can always get better. So dedicate yourself to that, and dedicate yourself to specific chunks of time on a regular basis, just just to learn and get better. And eventually, if you have if you have the drive and you have the energy, eventually you'll be successful. That's powerful advice, not just for salespeople, <laughs> but for anything in, you're trying to do in life. You are going to be better than 80% if you invest time, energy, money to become good at your craft. And I love that advice. That's fantastic. And I hope, listeners, you captured that. Uh, if you're not in your car, write that down because that's really important. <laughs> really important piece of advice. And again, coming from someone that's been doing it for many, many, many years. So um, what what final message, uh, Dave, would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, you know, uh, every, every organization, every successful organization learns to do sales well. And learning to do sales well means creating and refining a system, a sales system. So at the organizational level, that's my advice. I mean, start thinking in terms of systems and, and think about creating, refining, measuring a sales system, just like you do, you know, the things that you're building out in the plant and the money changing, just like 
Finance and operations, sales can be systematic as well. So that's for for a CEO or entrepreneur. That's my advice. For a salesperson or somebody in in the world of sales, my advice is you can always get better, mm. and and sometimes dramatically so. Like I say, I've had people tell me triple, triple. You said we just did a program for a hundred person sales force. The vice president of sales came back and said we had a. Listen to this, 73% increase in key account sales. <laughs> That's great. And you give, of course you can give better. And they're a good organization. They were doing it well. And, but again, the, the issue with salespeople, sales managers is they've never been educated in the best practices of their business. They're still walking the fields looking for corn. That's powerful. Uh, listeners, I hope you're capturing that. I hope you're thinking about that, what it means for you in what you do. Are you working to become the best in your craft? And what are you doing to educate yourself and get better? Fantastic advice. Uh, Dave, how can our listeners find out more about you, all your books, and the services you provide? Yeah, DaveKeel.com. Uh, that's my, uh, I, we've got a couple of websites, but that's a granddaddy, and that'll, uh, you can get there. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, I do an e-zine. Uh, we push out every, every week called Sell Better and Lead Better, two of them. And we have a podcast show as well. And so there's lots of stuff, but get on the e-zine, come to DaveKeel.com, get on the e-zine list, and then eventually you'll see everything that we have. Eventually it'll come, I'll come through that. So DaveKL.com, K-A-H-L-E.com. Absolutely. We're going to put a link in the show notes for all of you listeners out there. And I highly encourage you to reach out to Dave, get to the website, get that newsletter, um, find out what he's got to offer and uh, get better at selling and don't just be comfortable. Uh, do the uncomfortable things if you want to grow your business, if you want to get results like triple your sales. It can be done, uh, but you've got to put the effort in. And that's why we do this show. And that's why we give you these resources so that you can go out there and find guys like Dave who can help you get better. Dave, I want to thank you for coming on the show, sharing all of your experience and um, giving us all something to think about when it comes to sales. Yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad to be of help. Yeah, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build world with better bosses. Well, next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session. 
free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast.